right, Bitcoin accumulation country. It's that time of the week again. I'm your host, Coin Icarus, or Phil, and this is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast, and we are in season three, and this is episode 32. So, hope everybody's having a great week. I've got a uh, great guest that I've recently actually started to chat a lot with. And uh, yeah, we actually uh, get along really well. So uh, I've actually been on his podcast and uh, now he's come on mine and we've both done the, uh, the rabbit hole stories and seriously offended, you know, all of the uh, all of the invisible rule makers that decide that podcasters can't speak with each other, you know. So, yeah, I like to make fun of that because I think that people who make up these stupid rules are ridiculous. Anyways, um, so the person I am talking about is Nico a.k.a. BitVolt7. Uh, he runs a mining operation. He is originally from Venezuela, and he's got some really interesting stories. And yeah, we, we dove right in, and it was, uh, it was a really great chat. But before we get into our conversation with Nico, we are going to talk about dollar cost averaging and swan Bitcoin. For anybody who is interested in dollar cost averaging and who wants to be purchasing Bitcoin but doesn't want to be spending their time constantly watching the charts and listening to traders that they really have no idea whether these people are credible or not, and you kind of just want to put this in kind of in a passive sleep mode where you're simply just accumulating and hodling, being able to transfer that Bitcoin out to your own private address. So if you're interested in doing that and that falls... In, in your wheelhouse, then you are looking for Swan Bitcoin. With Swan Bitcoin, the three main takeaways are we've, we can do automatic withdrawal from a bank account, automatic purchases of BTC. You can time them based on your uh, when you receive your check. You know, you can do it, uh, you know, let's say once um, you can do it once a month um, or you can do it per pay period as well. Um, there's lots of options for you to be able to customize how you purchase. And you could automatically withdraw to your uh, your chosen address. So if you're interested in a Bitcoin only platform um, that is doing the uh, the great work of helping onboard people, then you definitely want to check out Swan Bitcoin. I'm gonna have the uh, the link to their website in the show notes. All right. Hope you got your favorite drink, your favorite smoke, or you know maybe you're just sitting in traffic. But here we go. Here is my discussion with. Nico, aka BitVolt7. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. I'm your host, Coin Icarus, or Phil, however you want to, uh, however you want to address me. And joining me today is fellow Bitcoiner, fellow podcaster, um, miner, uh, Nico, or as he's also known on Twitter, BitVolt7. BitVolt, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast, man. What's up, man? How you doing? How's everything? Oh, very good. Very good. I'm so glad to have you on. We, um, I, I think we pretty much hit it off uh, right away when we first started talking. Uh, you have a very, you know, open personality, and I find you to be a, a very um, easy person to talk to. So I, I think that we both just, you know, naturally, naturally are able to, uh, you know, just be able to hit it off. So I definitely, uh, I'm super glad to have you on my podcast, and uh, yeah, we are definitely going to dive into the uh, the rabbit hole story, and I want to talk about mining with you, and you know, whatever else we get into, but before we do that, I, I specifically want to make a point that we are two podcasters, because I see this on Twitter a lot, that, you know, people people seem to have this, you know, th this bug about them that, you know, they, they get upset when two podcasters talk to each other on a podcast. I, I guess there's some unwritten law that we are not allowed to to interview each other or talk to each other. So I just want to, you know, give a shout out to those people that, you know, feel that they, they got to make those rules for everyone else. Fuck you. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, man. We'll start it with that. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, bro. And like, just to, you know, kind of add a little bit to what you're saying like dude what i love about your show is the fact that you talk to fellow plebs and plebs have the most interesting stories because we already know all the stories of you know the big guys because they just get recycled through all the podcasts you know and then you, you talk to you talk to the you know fellow plebs man american hold is part of us all of us dude we have the most fucking interesting stories you know because it's just like Dude, we're Bitcoiners. That's what we make up. You know, all the big guy, bro, we've heard the stories thousands of times, you know? Yep, absolutely. You know, and that's just, 
that's exactly the point. You know, I, I like to interview the fellow plebs because for me, it's I, I always uh, I always say this, you know, the, the story of Bitcoin is the story of us. It's the it's the users. It's the hodlers, uh, you know, the fucking salesmen, they're salesmen, you know, doesn't matter what they're selling, whether they're selling you Bitcoin or they're selling you a used car. It's the big business, you know, it's, it's the big uh, businessman bullshit smile. You know, so, but that's okay. We'll, we'll leave, we'll leave those people alone for now. And uh, what we'll do is, is that we'll dive right into your rabbit hole story. So Nico, uh, that's something I actually do not know about you. Um, when and how did you get into Bitcoin? But before that, what were you doing before the corn? Awesome, man. Okay. No one's <laughs> asked me this before. Okay. So I, should I tell you the condensed version or the long version? You can you can tell me whichever version you feel is is the best one. So if you want to go if you okay. want to go long, do it. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right, let's do this then. Um, all right, man. So how did I first get into Bitcoin? Okay, so first I first ran into Bitcoin and I used it, but I didn't buy it and I didn't hold it. Um, I first used Bitcoin in like 2013, 2014 but I used it to buy something. I didn't hold anything, which I re instantly regret now, but I didn't know back then, but it was just so smooth. And, you know, and I was just, I think I made a Coinbase account uh, or maybe something else. I don't know. And I used it to buy something. And then when I first actually started like buying and holding Bitcoin, it was in 2016. And before that, and I'll kind of segue into like, basically how I started and all that jazz. Um, so before, like I really went full-time into Bitcoin, that's what I just dedicated my life to. I was actually into commercial real estate. So that's what I was doing. Um, and then, and, and I did that for a pretty long time. I did that for, I would say like four or five years. Um, nonstop and what commercial real estate is essentially is selling it's selling more it's it's you're focusing on commercial property so for example like uh like a shop or uh like a warehouse i mostly focus on like multi-families and stuff like that and what basically the the feedback loop like i like to call it is you get a client and they're they, they have money, they want to invest and they just buy a bunch of property and they collect rental income from that property. Right. So I did that for a couple of years. Then I got a nine to five in this, like, I would say it's like this cell phone place, uh, or I don't know, like repair, but it was like shipped, whatever. And I did that for like about a year. Then I quit. And then I was kind of, bro, it was terrible. I was like depressed. I wasn't making a lot of money. Um, and then I kind of transitioned to my uncle who was living in Venezuela at the time and I'm Venezuelan was basically like, have you heard of Bitcoin? I'm like, yeah, I have heard of Bitcoin. He's like, okay, well, you don't understand. I'm mining it for free. I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, he's like in Venezuela, you're not paying like, so it's a weird situation because technically on paper, you are playing what everyone else is paying, but because the cost is subsidized and because there's a black market rate for the Bolivar, like, cause there's two rates, right? There's what the government officially gives you in the exchange. And there's what the actual exchange rate is on the street, which is totally legal to do that. But people do that anyway, because the government exchange rate is just ludicrous. Right. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And I think that's still happening today, but now like this was, like in the beginning of the inflation now it's like hyperinflation um so it created this really weird situation for a short period of time where dude you could plug in a miner and you essentially mine for free uh literally like you're mining for free it was so cheap that like basically you could you could mine with generators and because of the exchange rate gasoline was cheaper than anywhere else like it gasoline was cheaper than water dude. it's fucking crazy so my my uncle exposed that to me for uh he, he was the first one to kind of expose you know that type of world to me and what i did initially was i went all in at that point 
I literally went all in. I, I, I took loans from family and friends. I took credit, I took credit card debt. Um, dude, I, I just took every single dime that I had and just dumped it into, uh, I just, bro, I literally went all in on Bitcoin. Like I, I didn't, I don't, I didn't have a dollar. I, I just still don't, but you know, I, I dude, I, I, every time I have money in my bank account now, like I, I'll leave enough money to live, but I'll straight up put that money into Bitcoin. I've been doing this since 2016. Uh, cause I was so enamored by dude, anyone. Okay. Hold on. Anyone who tells you they got into Bitcoin because you know, of idealistic purposes, man, that's bullshit. Okay. You get into Bitcoin because you think you're going to make a lot of fucking money. You're going to get rich. However, once it ensnares you in like this Trojan horse type way, it makes you open your eyes to the realities and then you become an idealist. Right. So, um, yeah, so my uncle first exposed me to the things, and I had some crazy stories. Like, so one of the one of the facilities he's had, and that's where I started, was literally in the middle of fucking nowhere, bro. It was literally like what we say is like un monte. It's like it's like jungle, bro. But like, it was literally in the middle of nowhere, and it's like this old chicken coop type place. But it has had all the necessary infrastructure, like the hot air extractors had the the right uh voltage had dude it had the dude, it had everything so he basically set it up there and he used gasoline um he used generators dude to like power the first miners and we had i think at that point we had like 100 200 asics and we were shipping them directly from bitmain and we had to pay some people at customs because if not they would just fucking steal your product dude it was fucking gnarly wow. um and it was fucking gnarly, dude. And then, and then we then we migrated back to the United States, and that's because the government started catching on. So they started realizing that if you just kept these machines yourself, you could just fucking mine them yourself, right? <laughs> so the customs guy, like we would, like I think it happened to me. What never happened to me, luckily, because it would fucking bankrupt me. But, um, dude, he would. It, the, the, you would order these machines and the customs would be, they would say delivered, whatever, Bitmain, we had like our own rep there. Like we had a rep that he would ship to us and dude, and they'd be like, dude, it's delivered. And you check and it's gone. And customs would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we found out that dude, these guys were just taking them and plugging them in at home because think about it, bro. These machines would make more than their salary. And it wasn't even making that much money in US terms and US dollar terms. But in Venezuela terms, it was a lot of money. So, um, so we it, it started getting heated. So we decided to like migrate to the United States. I went to South Carolina. My uncle went to Washington, like Washington State. Um, it was very cheap power outside of Seattle. I think it's like hydro or something. I'm I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But basically, he went over there and he got fucked because every single other person at that time and this was in the beginning of 2017 um the yeah i would say beginning to mid 2017 for me it was mid for him it was the beginning and um dude he got fucked he the, he bought a piece of land he started building and then the city's like i don't have any more power i'm sorry he got screwed because now he got stuck with a piece of land basically in the middle of nowhere essentially worthless and with a half constructed like little warehouse, right? That they're pretty cheap. Yeah. But at least he didn't buy, you know, the the electrical infrastructure or the mining infrastructure yet. So he got lucky there, but he got stuck with a piece of land. Um, with me, I, I got kind of lucky because I had a client of mine from commercial real estate who knew this guy who was who was this older gentleman who made all his money uh, making the composite material that goes in front of the Tomahawk cruise missile. And bro, this guy made so much money. And he was an older gentleman, dude. This guy was like in his, I would say mid fifties mm -hmm. or early sixties. And he was basically retired, dude. And this guy has, you know, he's living the life, dude. Like he, 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 he owned this like old pantyhose factory. Um, and he was using it to store his own cars because he would he would build cars and he would store them there, and um, 
And I think it was because what you do in commercial real estate is you kind of ask your client, like what properties you have. So you kind of under, have an understanding of the type, what they're working with. So, so if you do find a deal, you're like, okay, you know, here you go. So I remember he, he, he sent me the information and then I called him up and I'm like, Hey man, like the sound, like, have you heard of cryptocurrency mining? He's like, I haven't. And I'm like, okay, have you heard of Bitcoin? He's like, I have. He's like, isn't that the, isn't that the, the, the coin that people used to buy drugs for? And like, all that stuff. I'm like, listen, what if I told you there's a way that you could buy machines and you can make Bitcoin? I'm like, he's like, is that a scam? I'm like, no, it's not a scam, but it is very expensive, but it can be profitable if you do it right. And if you have the right power cost, he's like, okay, sounds interesting. Let me get back to you on the power cost. So he gets back to me on the power cost. And I, and I wasn't like, I, I didn't have my hopes up because first of all, South Carolina is kind of hot. And second of all, like it's not really known for cheap industrial electricity, but it happens that the guy owns in this very small town called Barnwell, South Carolina, he owns basically 80%, I would say 80 to 90% of the commercial properties in that town. Holy so that gives him a lot of leverage with the, with the town, with the city, right? Like he's a good customer. So they give him, pretty attractive rates. So when I heard the rates, I'm like, no way. And then I, I jump on a plane. I take a wrong flight with a buddy of mine who founded Bitbolt with me. I bought him out, but we take a flight and we fly to Atlanta. We could have flown to Augusta and it would have been a much driver flight, much driver, uh, much shorter drive, but I'm an idiot. So I flew to fucking, I flew to Atlanta like an idiot. And we drew, we drove like three hours from Atlanta to North Carolina to South Carolina. It was a pain in the ass. It's right now, it's right next to this little tall, small town called Augusta, yep. which hosts the Masters, the golf tournament. Um, it's right there. It's like 30, there's like 30 minutes away from that town. And we drove there finally. My buddy wanted to kill me because that made us take a long way. And we finally get there. We go to this facility, bro. It has everything. It has has the electrical infrastructure in place it has hot air extractors it has ac dude it has everything it's right it's like a plug and play and anyone that's into mining understands that dude nothing is plug and play everything you need to invest heavily on the infrastructure to, to kind of make it miner ready right um it has huge rooms uh, you could clearly separate the cold air from the hot air dude it was perfect so they essentially at that point, I'm like, dude, I have an opportunity to have a business here. And I basically, I, I, I made the site myself and I just started basically dry calling people, people basically. Um, so a buddy of mine that works at Goldman Sachs, he approached me like in the beginning of mid 2017, he's like, listen, Nick, uh, I have clients of mine that are interested in Bitcoin, but I can't we're not doing that very, we're not doing a lot of that. So we'd set up a dinner. I met, uh, met with a lot of people over there and I started picking up clients. Right. Um, and man, that's, that's basically, if you fast forward a little bit, there's been a lot of ups and downs, like it is all like it is in life and in crypto. And yeah, it's basically what I've been doing for the last three years. Holy crap. So I got to tell you that that is definitely, I mean, that that's definitely an interesting story and, Talk about so I, I actually wanted to ask you a, a bit about Venezuela because I I mean I've never been there I don't know very much about it except for what I see on the news and and hyperinflation and all that stuff so let me ask you this and and it's okay if you can't if you can't cover this but um, so you said that there's a different rate between what the government is gonna give you and and what the street rate is for the money for the bolivar so is it uh, is it that the government will give you less money than the street value or the other way around absolutely so the government gives you less money right and they're, they're trying to do that to artificially prop the currency so like make it, what's there worth more exactly create artificial technically, scarcity technically technically but it's not possible yeah you can't do that right um i think the 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 proper economic term for it is capital controls. I think that's the right yeah. word, the, the right word for it. Uh, but it just doesn't work, right? Like, like as soon as you get out of the airport, uh, dude, I haven't been there in a minute because of safety reasons, but 
um, as soon as you get out of the airport, you could exchange your dollars to uh, Bolivars and they'll give you a, 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 a good rate. And if you do it like through an exchange or through like, you know, those exchanges they have in the airport that rip you off. Um, if you do it through there, because the government kind of announces what the official rate is, bro, like you're getting ripped off here. Let me give you an example. So last time I went was 2016, I would like to say. Yeah, it was definitely 2016 because it wasn't 2017 because um, it just started getting a little sketchy for me at that point. But in 2016, dude, I went to Venezuela and it was like, I was around like the end of the year. And dude, I took my cousin out to dinner and there's some really nice restaurants in, in the capital, in Caracas. And dude, the same, the same type of dinner in Miami would have cost me like, like $200. It was drinks, sushi for like four of us. It was my girlfriend at the time, his girlfriend at the time. Oh, you know what? It might've been 2015 actually. Okay. Anyways. Um, so basically his girlfriend, my girlfriend, um, dude. And I just wanted to like, be like a little boss, you know, and like, okay, you know, I'll take my cousin out to dinner. I'm like, dude, it must be cheap here. It's not going to be a $200 because we're in Venezuela, you know? And the fucking check came. And my cousin looks at me and he's like, dude, just pay in dollars. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, dude, just pay in dollars. I'm like, do they accept that? He's like, yeah, that's, that's their preferred method of payment. And I'm like, okay, what's the exchange rate? He's like, dude, it's, it's 18 bucks. I'm like, what? He's like, it's 18 bucks. I'm like, dude, you gotta be kidding me, bro. We got like, dude, we had a full fucking meal, bro. Like I'm talking about like, like five plates, bro, alcohol for the table. Cause that's, that shit gets expensive when you're, yeah. it was like 20, but bro, it was, it was retarded cheap. It was like, it was like 18 bucks, 20 bucks. And it, dude, the, the restaurant was spectacular. Um, I, I, I want to remember what year it was exactly, but bro, it was crazy. It was crazy. And now that's even worse. Now, now, like, the people started to wise up, so, like, people won't even accept Bolivares. Now they just want to go to dollars. Don't quote yeah. me on that because I haven't been back in a while. But, you know, like, dude, like, people, it's crazy what they do to survive. A lot of people started using Bitcoin because it just serves as a life raft. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy, dude. It's nuts. It's fucking, it, dude, it, when, when hyperinflation hits, man, it's, it's absurd because it freezes the entire economy, dude. You yeah. can't buy anything. Because if you buy something, you don't know, dude, you could wait two months and it's going to be cheaper. So no one wants to sell. That's you right. Can't get, a, can't get a loan. Jobs don't work. They don't make sense. They don't make sense, dude. How is it that Why would I'm going to make, exactly. I'm going to make what, a uh, uh, $100 today. And then the next, next month, I'm, it's going to be 30 bucks or worse, $20 or $10. It doesn't make sense, dude. No. You know, so. I just wanted to add something to uh, to what you said before about when people enter Bitcoin and, you know, you hear people, you know, talking about coming to it for idealistic reasons. And sure, I'm sure that there's some small portion of it. But what you described is um, actually uh, one of the guys that I interviewed, uh, I think it's uh, Fab the Fox. He uh, he said it. He goes, came for the money, stayed for the money, you know, because <laughs> it's like we came for the gains. But then we tumbled down the rabbit hole and we're like, wow, this is this is good stuff, you know, like this is, this is not just about the money. Like this is the, it's about the philosophy behind it. It's about the ideals behind it. It's about the low time preference, the narratives, the memes. It's like, it, it, it just has, it has all of this stuff. So I'm sorry. I just wanted to, to add that in because that's, that's what I consider that, you know? And that's a beautiful way of putting it, bro. It's just, it, it's, it's so, it's so crazy. And, and I was talking to KSI Bitcoin. He makes the tutorials for cold card. Oh, keep it simple. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. It, K oh, KSI. Sorry. KIS. Uh, Whatever. <laughs> my bad. I, I, dude, I've I I heard you that were... so many times. <laughs> I knew who you were talking about right away. Shout out to so, him, too. Or yeah, her. dude. He, he's, a good, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. Um, he, he's a he's a good person and i had some very interesting conversations that meant that so what we were talking about was essentially that bitcoin makes you see um like every bitcoin everyone has a different 
like angle of how they see Bitcoin, right? Like, mm-hmm. so someone in, in Venezuela might see it as a lifeboat, as a, a means of survival. And then someone in the West is kind of like, this can make me rich, right? And it means every, it means something else to some different people. And the moment of time in which you use it, because remember I told you I first ran into Bitcoin like 2014 and I did it, hold it like an idiot. And uh, dude, it would have changed my life at that point because uh, I wasn't doing well at that moment in time. And um, at that moment in time, Bitcoin wasn't a saving mechanism for me. It was a me- it was a means to exchange for other goods and services. So it's so weird, dude. It's so that that like that type of you know it that type of like anyone basically. I'm just gonna do this. Anyone that says that Bitcoin is in money is a fucking idiot because it clearly is. Yeah, exactly. You know, it clearly is. It clearly is. And just to your to your point, I did the same thing uh, when I first got into it. You know, people know my story. I, I used it as a medium of exchange. I did not even give a shit that the price was doubling or tripling of it. I, I couldn't care less. I just needed to use it because it reduced friction. Okay. It reduced friction and it made things easier uh, for me. So... You know, like I, I had people even telling me, they're like, you realize that you shouldn't have used it and you'd have double your money now. I'm like, who cares? I'm like, it doesn't there's matter. There's no way to know that. There's it, no way to know that. There dude. was, exactly. There is no way to know that. And of course, you know, it's like, don't get me wrong. I still spend Bitcoin today. I just don't spend it on what I used to spend it on. Um, but, and I also don't spend as much of it, but I do, I, I still do enjoy paying for things um, that I believe are of value in Bitcoin. And I think that that's what it's going to, you know, this this narrative that I hear some people say that like, well, why would you use it if it keeps going up in value? You just have to, you, you'll just keep, you know, you'll just wait and, and, and it'll go up. And so you'll never spend it. So it can't be money. It's like, first of all, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Okay, that's definitely one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. But secondly, what it does is, is that I think it indirectly enforces us to pay more attention to what we're spending money on and to be more mindful of how we're spending it. It's like when I want, like when I believe that somebody has created something of value and I want to pay them in something that I believe is valuable, well, I can actually choose to pay them in Bitcoin. And that makes me happy. You know? Absolutely. It's, and you don't have to fucking deal with anyone in between. That's bro. right. It's just like, it's like, dude, you want to pay me? I'm going to send it to you. I'm not going to send it to MasterCard, then to your to the, their bank account, and then to another bank account, then to Visa, and then to you. You know what I mean? Fuck that shit. It's scam. How many times have you gone to do a credit card or debit card transaction? And it's not, let's say it's not part of your quote unquote regular purchases or something like that. Even the, it may not even have to be sketchy. It could just be like some, like for me, okay? I buy a lot of like random electronics from all these like tiny little shitty shops. I can't tell you how many times my credit card gets flagged for a fraudulent charge for like 18, 19 bucks for like some little shitty chip, you know, with a relay on it. And I'm like, you kidding me? Yeah, it's, 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 it's so stupid. It's like we, we don't even realize it, you know, that, that we're like, you know, we're, we're just like, we, we are constantly, we are constantly at the mercy of the gatekeepers. Absolutely, man. Dude, so I absolutely, man. Like I, I so I made some, I made some money, you know, a lot of money. Yeah, kind of. So I made some money kind of like betting on Tesla and like, like some, I don't know, some, some, uh, some stocks. Right. And I, I made some profit and I transferred some of that profit to my bank account so I could go buy Bitcoin with it, like a degenerate. And dude, I withdrew from Robinhood. man, it's t- dude, it takes like five days. And I'm so used to withdrawing from, you know, if you buy from the cash app or from an exchange, you, you buy, you withdraw. It takes like, maximum bro maximum takes 30 minutes max usually it takes like five or four so how is it possible that i'm withdrawing a centralized currency and it takes five days dude that's that's absurd dude like it, i withdrew two days ago nothing's hit my account my bank account it's crazy that's absurd dude we live in 2020 and it takes five days and not that's only, crazy bro. and not only that but as you know you're gonna lose the weekend because 
Nobody works on the weekend and it relies on humans. So these are two days that you're going to lose. So now chances are you're probably not going to see the, the finalized funds until, um, until like next Tuesday, end of business day or Wednesday. That's, that's fucking crazy, bro. Because Imagine if you were in a hot, hard spot. Like, bro, it's absurd, dude. And, and, and dude, they, these guys, take, they take a fee. They take a fee and they take yes. their sweet time. Like, bro, it's, it's, it's obviously such a broken system. And like, when people like Peter Schiff, bro, they, they, they say, you know, like Bitcoin has no value. Or like, a buddy of mine, I told you, a buddy of mine works in the traditional financial system, like in like Goldman Sachs. And dude, he's like, oh, Bitcoin has, I'm like, bro, guys, like, especially Peter Schiff. Like, first of all, I think Peter Schiff knows what's up. Oh, but, yeah. But dude, how could you say something has no value when it does essentially what you do a hundred times better, a hundred times. You could say anything you want to say about Bitcoin, but I know that Bitcoin is going to take five days. And I know that I'll be able to see the transaction in progress. You say, dude, I sent you a hundred bucks. Oh yeah. Send me the TX. Oh, okay. You did. Okay. Sweet, man. Thanks. Thanks buddy. Appreciate it. It's not like, Oh, you initiated a withdrawal. Thank you gone you don't know where that shit is it's gone it's deducted from your bank account but it, i don't know where it is you know it's fucking weird bro it's oh, weird yeah. it's bad it's an inefficient system and you can see why it causes so much corruption you can see why the shit because bro if you anyone dude if you if you if you give power to someone it corrupts them right like it's oh, just yeah. a human trait and like if you put so much power into this centralized money system right you go to this bank and they have big pillars and they wear suits like jackasses and you go in there and dude they're you know they're like uh dude would you like a mortgage like bro who the fuck are you like why do you why do you have all this fucking money i don't get it and it, it was necessary before because these systems needed to be centralized in order for them to work they don't need to do that anymore someone has solved the the two byzantine generals problem right uh and, and you're more you're you're definitely smarter than i am in the, in the in the software thing so maybe you could explain that a little bit more but like dude um it just this problem solved i i think that it's inevitable that i don't think that bitcoin is going to necessarily make banks go away uh because i see them as a necessary evil but they will make they will give a competition to banks which will therefore make them behave better because now people have an alternative and before they didn't and people like me and people like you and all bitcoiners dude we're crazy bro I, we don't use banks right like it's like where, where do you save bitcoin it's like do you don't do not like invest in your retirement all this i'm like oh, oh yeah fuck that shit it's in bitcoin there it is <laughs> yeah it's in big exactly it's like fuck it, that it, shit. It, i'm it, not putting my shit in an ira whatever the fucking so, bullshit is so so hold on let's let's talk about that because you you mentioned a couple of different things that are really good to to go on okay like the broken system okay um but talk about retirement so for anybody who's actually ever put money into retirement i don't understand how um nobody has gone and and shut down the throats of, of the people um, that run these type of things like Fidelity. So you save all this money on your paycheck. You put it into a 401k. You're not allowed to take it out before a certain time. So you're forced to leave this money into the system, which creates liquidity for that system. And the people that work in that system, it's a, I'm sorry to say this, but that's a fucking scam. And we oh, accept yeah. it. We completely accept that you can't pull out your money without a penalty. But if you work now, depending on the company that you work for, you can borrow from your own money. You know, like that again, it, it, it's a complete mind fuck. So it's they keep your fuck. money there. Right. And now you get to borrow against your own money. I thought it was mine. But the second you put it into their hands, it's theirs. The other piece I wanted to say was you were talking about the banks, right? The big buildings, all the all that stuff. If we zoom out, right? Imagine you created a system where everything was fucking worthless, but nobody knew it. How would you convey value? Well, for one thing, you would have armed guards. You would have armed guards. You'd have big buildings. You'd have 
people in really nice suits that talk about very complex things, or they sound very complex, but at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of bullshit. Because the, the core of the concept is fake. So everything they're fucking talking about is completely fake. And, and we all coerce to agree because we don't know any better and the system is too big and we can't fight it. Well, guess what? As you know, as well as I do, Bitcoin is here and we can fight it by opting out. You know? Amen. Amen. Fuck. Preach. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but dude, it's just, it's just it, man, it's such a, it, like, it, and I try to explain this to like my mom or someone like that. They don't get it. They don't get it. They're oh, no. so brainwashed, like by this parasitic, uh, like, system dude because it really is and like people don't understand like dude if your money is in a bank it's not your money the bank owes you an iou that's it yep. unless you take that money out in cash which it's also rigged because you can't really do much with cash nowadays because there's cap there's capital controls here too you can't deposit more than ten thousand dollars in cash in a bank account without raising some type of alarm did you know and nick carter actually tweeted about this the other day it was an amazing tweet uh, did you know that in 19, when they established that rule in 1970, I think it was, um, dude, $10,000 in cash was like equivalent to like 50 or 40 today. Like, yeah, dude. So th think about how much of a scam that is. They haven't adjusted that to inflation. They've re it's remained the same and that value just keeps dropping lower and lower. That's right. And now they're outsourcing the transactional part to corporations that's going to end amazingly right oh yeah so now like you have visa dude visa takes a fucking three percent you know how fucking crazy that is bro you pay a hundred dollars to a merchant this guy takes all the risk you know he sets up the shop or what maybe has an online shop bro. he pays all the overhead visa just has their arms crossed you know, thank you for using my centralized service that cost me absolutely nothing to update my database. Give me 3%. I have, I have shareholders that I need to make happy, bro. That's fucking crazy. That's absurd. So, and you, yeah, I, I want to talk about that, right? Because I, I know, um, I know a lot about Visa and MasterCard. Um, I originally invested in their IPOs because I understood, uh, I understood how they made money. And what people don't understand about companies like MasterCard and Visa is they are not the same as American Express or Discover. They are simply a payment network and a brand. They own the payment rail. Between MasterCard and Visa, they own over or approximately 90% okay, of, of the, um, uh, the payment networks in the world. So just think about that, right? It doesn't matter. Like, so people sit there and they're like, oh, you know, uh, MasterCard and Visa, they'll disappear when people can't pay back their credit cards. That's not how that works. This isn't American Express. They don't issue debt. Visa and MasterCard are a genius business that generates more cash than you could ever imagine because they do not lend any money. All it is is a brand on a card that is issued by your bank. All they are is a payment network. So... Whether you can afford to pay your fucking visa bill at the end of the month or not, visa gets paid because they're being paid on the transactions and that's how they make money. So to your point, that's exactly right. We are, it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. They're the fucking gatekeepers. You know, it's, it's, it's we're it's surrounded by gatekeepers. <laughs> it's a fucking scam. Dude, but you can see why it was a necessary evil at one point, like because there was no other option, right? You could see why it was necessary, right? You, you could you could see why you made this deal with the devil, so to speak. But like, dude, I, I, what? So I'm not like, you know, maybe I'm gonna get murdered for this, but I'm not on the boat where because a lot of Bitcoiners are like, man, it's gonna kill Visa, it's gonna kill the bank, dude. No. Listen, if it's a multi-billion-dollar corporation, dude, they're not gonna go. You know, they're not gonna. Uh, you're not going to go into that good night, bro. They're exactly. Not do that. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. They're going to, uh, they're going to adapt. Like, okay. You know, the transition between like long distance calls and then WhatsApp became a thing. And then the phone companies went from, okay, instead of, you know, selling, uh, instead of being a phone company, let's become an internet company, dude, 
the same transition is going to happen. Same. And the guys that don't adapt, they're going to die, right? But like, I don't think banks are going anywhere. I don't think Visa is anywhere. But the, the good news, right, the silver lining is that these guys are going to have to get cheaper. They're going to have to get better because they know yes. that if they don't become cheaper and they don't become better, guess what? You don't have, you could choose the alternative guy because he's cheaper. He's friendly. He accepts everybody. He doesn't do that KYC bullshit. Anyone could use Bitcoin. They don't care. Right. So the banks, they're going to have to wise up. I'm not saying like my, you know, and I'm a bull. Uh, my, my estimate is like within the next 10, 15 years, it, it, it's inevitable, bro. The population is going to get older. People are going to wise up, you know, they'd be like, so I don't have to use my ID to open a bank account. You're just saying I just have to download an application. Ooh, that's really cool. You know, so yeah, people very exciting times. So let me ask you this, right? Like, I think that there's also, you know, a lot of people don't even realize that Visa is already uh, becoming a major player in Bitcoin indirectly because Visa owns 20% uh, of Square. They're a major shareholder of Square. So it's I want to I want to ask you. So you don't think that these guys are shitting their pants? No, they're not shitting really? their pants. Yeah, no, they. I, I don't think they're shitting their pants at all. Um, I, I'd like them to be shitting their pants, uh, but unfortunately, you know, the way it works is, or at least I shouldn't say the way it works, but the way I've always seen it, um, when you're that big you usually don't think anything is going to affect you until it's too late. Like you usually get blinded mm -hmm. by your own confidence and, and your own, you know what I mean? Like your, your own ego and not to say that a business can have an ego, but it kind of can. Okay. Yeah. You know, like uh, we'll take, for example, Google. I always love to shit on Google cause they're fucking horrible, but they that are. is a company mm -hmm. that is a company that absolutely uh, has an ego that completely, they expect that any partner, anybody that works with them is, just simply has to bow because they are Google. So it's just, you know, like that. I, I personally see, I see banks having that same arrogance. I see investment firms having that same arrogance. You know, it, it's, you know, going back to this whole thing, right? Um, of, you know, like, uh, you know, what is money and what isn't. The second that I understood that Bitcoin could only be used to transfer value is the moment I, I knew that this makes perfect sense. I can't eat it, okay? I can't eat it. I can't, uh, you know, I can't set it on fire. I can't do anything with it except transact value. That's it. I can store and transact value with it. What the fuck else is money supposed to be? Like, why, exactly. the, why, why the hell am I supposed to be able to, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like Peter Schiff uh, melt it down into a useless set of cufflinks. Oh, so I could carry it across the border. Guess what? Bitcoin doesn't need to do that because they can't see it on you. It's not cash. It's not jewelry. It doesn't have to be melted and fashioned into some stupid belt or a button. Dude, so, you know, that's and, and like to add to that, you know, a lot of people are like, dude, Bitcoin has no value. And like, we're, listen, OK, let me ask you something. Try to store $50,000 worth of gold. That shit's fucking heavy, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. That's just heavy as balls. Gold is heavy as balls, man. So it's like, and let me ask you something else. Let's say you're, you know, you're, you're Peter Schiff and you buy uh, 100,000 or 2 million or whatever dollars in gold and you keep it under your bed or, you know, in a safe or whatever. Now try to sell that. Yeah. But you're going you're gonna to carry that fucking heavy ass gold, you know, into your car or whatever. You're going to drive to an exchange, you know, like you see how fucking how much friction that creates. Oh, of like, course. When people are buying gold, what they're essentially doing is they're paper. It's paper gold. Like you're it, the gold doesn't move. It sits in a bank account. You're essentially doing the same thing. It sits in a bank account. The bank is like, I'm audited. And, you know, you want to go with a very a good bank with it has good reputation, because if not, the bank's going to lie, which happens all the time. Um, so you're essentially just trading an IOU. That's what it is. That's all right? it is. That's what it is. And when you, tr when you buy Bitcoin, when you trade it, you know for a fact, the moment that you withdraw from an exchange, right? Dude, you traded real fucking Bitcoin. Like it's real, it's yep. tangible. You know that it's in your possession. And I think that's very unique. I don't think that's been done with anything else. That's it right. hasn't. Everything else is an IOU. Robinhood is an IOU. Oh. Uh, 
gold is an IOU. Uh, stocks, like you're essentially buying them with the broker, which is essentially an IOU. And, and sorry, hold on, for the gold, right? Gold being an IOU. The only way that gold is not an IOU is if you buy it physically, and this goes back to the original point of, well, now you've got that added friction again. What are you going to do? You're going to bring it around with you. You got to bring it to you got to bring it to a somebody like Kitco or something like that so that you could sell it. I just Dude, wanted to add absurd. that about gold. Yeah, it's absurd, bro. It's absurd. And like I, Peter Schiff, like he says all these things like, dude, the mere fact that I could say these things like like the conversation's over, like the conversation is essentially yeah. over, because I, I think that a lot of people overlook that quality of Bitcoin, which is like dude the fact that when it's in your custody it really is in your custody like it really is yours like the bank isn't going behind your back and lending it to other people and making money off of your money and all that you know all that bullshit that banks essentially do with the current system we do with uh fractional reserve banking like you can't do that with bitcoin unless like you put your money with blockfi and you're a fucking idiot but like you can't do that shit you can't do that shit, dude. You can't. It's literally impossible because you need the private keys. You need you need custody of the keys. If you don't have custody of the keys, you can't do anything with it. You could look at it, but you can't do anything with it. Yep. So it's very unique, man. I, I think people truly underestimate the um, the absolute power of transaction finality. And the reason why is because we... Um, we give the responsibility to the third parties. And as a result, by doing that, we don't care about transaction finality yet. But when people start to, and I, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not going to try to assume as, as to when that starts to happen. Um, but I am going to say that the more people um, start to actually care about their value and their money, um, the more that that transaction finality and knowing where it is is going to be much more important. Absolutely, you know? man. It's just, it, it's so, it's absolutely, and it's so, like, oh, it just it makes me angry. I'm sorry. Of course, of course. <laughs> it's it, it, it's brutal, you know? It, it, it absolutely is, you know? But it at really least, is. But at least now we can opt out. So We could opt out, exactly. We're gonna we're gonna switch gears a bit, and then we'll probably end up you know floating back to uh, to more Bitcoin stuff. But but let me ask you this, right? Because when I came on your podcast, um, you you had a, a bunch of books that I listed, right? As uh, you know, and you wanted me to talk about them a bit, or you know, just explain to you why. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pay this favor back to you, and I I want you I you know, I want to know if you were to suggest whether it's Bitcoin related or not. What hmm. book or reading would you suggest to anybody? Doesn't even matter if they're wanting to get into Bitcoin or not. You know, something that something that changed or something that made you have that aha moment. Oh. Nope. I think it just froze. Yeah, there we go. Sorry. I, my bad. Nope. Okay, um, no worries. Okay. So, um, yeah, so what books would i recommend okay so here's the thing about like books right at least to me for everyone it's it's very relative but um so like you grow as a human being and, and there's different things throughout your life so when i was younger you know the most significant books to me were definitely different than what they are nowadays like nowadays with everything going on in america I've been reading this book called the Gulag Archipelago recently. And um, I could say, you know, it has so much significance to my life now. Right. But when I was younger, I would say the most, the most, the book that really kind of got me wanting more is this super famous book. Uh, you could say it's kind of cliche, but you know what? It's a really good book. So fuck you, whoever, you know, whoever <laughs> thinks this. Um, it's called this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, and yeah. It really had this great effect on me. And after that, I started reading autobiographies. So the Everything Store, um, uh, basically the story of Amazon and, and Jeff Bezos. Uh, and, and, different biographies after that because what, what i like about biographies man is, is it's kind of like a cheat why is it a cheat 
right? Because what you're doing is you're condensing a life and you're condensing experiences to a 300 page book, right? So you're condensing, you know, there's some days that nothing happens and there's some days that are really significant. Well, a book is essentially cutting out all the insignificant days and leaving all the significant days and the lessons from those significant days. So like, dude, like reading a book is like cheating. You're cheating, dude, because you're, 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 you're taking the experiences that someone learned throughout their entire life and you're just condensing it. But right now, uh, the book that I'm reading about, and it kind of relates a lot to what's going on in America nowadays. Um, I just started it and it's called the Gulag Archipelago. And basically I, I can't pronounce the guy's name who wrote it. So I'm That's gonna okay. try. Uh, but essentially what it is, is it's basically the experience of this guy in the gulags of the Soviet Union. And why, why, why is this even fucking relevant? Why is this relevant to America? Because there's a lot of, there's, there's a big movement uh, that stems from, you know, the protests that are going on right now. Well, there's a lot of communist type slash Marxist ideologues and all this shit. And it's like, America doesn't do a good job at, educating people about the dangers of communism like people no. don't they don't do a good job about like dude like Connie communism is not a good idea anytime nope. I know this I know this because Venezuela guess what became a very socialist country and you went from becoming one of the richest countries in Latin America literally it has 30 million people and it has the, the biggest oil reserves in the world. How is that even possible for a country to be poor? Well, I can answer that question. Fucking communism. Yep. Why? Because communism is that you're essentially just taking money from working industries, working people, you know, people that have incentives to work because they're getting financially rewarded and you're just giving out to everyone for free. That's essentially what you're doing. And Margaret Thatcher has this really quote that is saying like socialism works until you run out of money until you run until you run out of money to take from other people yeah right? like it, it, it you know if you have an unlimited money supply let's do socialism but if you don't which nobody does like dude doesn't work it doesn't work and a lot of people get confused and they're like oh well look at europe okay those are socialist policies but those aren't socialist countries those are capitalist countries that have very intense socialist policies. And guess what? Those socialist policies hamper their Capitalism. fucking economies. So it's like, dude, it, it, it doesn't fucking work. It, there's not one example in all of human history where communism has worked. And if you want to know why, read the fucking Gulag Archipelago. Yep. I'm definitely going to check that book out. So thank you very much. And I just wanted to add to what you're saying right now. It's um, unfortunately the narrative is is somehow coming out of politicians and that is what is very frightening and the cancel culture is a major part of that i um you know i i don't uh, I, I don't i don't think that we should necessarily you know like i'm not going to get into the whole uh you know the whole thing about uh, george floyd and uh, you know the statues and everything like that and you know people trying to change things uh i, I don't i don't disagree with i don't disagree with change but definitely we should understand the undertones of what it is um, that is happening. And people should know what it is that they're actually cheering for. You know, Absolutely. it's, uh, you know, it's like history. History doesn't need to be on display everywhere, but it definitely should not be destroyed and it shouldn't be forgotten because as we know, we are doomed to repeat it. Absolutely, man. That, that I think so, that quote. I think that quote is so important, and I think that a so lot of important. people don't understand the significance of not understanding your history. Because if you look at human history, and I'm a huge nerd and I love history, if you look at human history, dude, humans repeat the same fucking mistakes over and over and over again. That's and right. the reason they do is because they didn't know the other guy did it a hundred years ago. They had no clue. So someone already tried. Um, so, yeah. Sorry. So speaking of which, okay, I want to, on that point, um, do, like I, I just recently found out that, that we've had already four central bank failures before this current fed. And, and it, I'm, cause I'm reading the, the creature, you know, the creature from Jekyll Island and, and they sit there and they detail the same mistake 
over and over again. Oh, we changed the words a little. Oh, we changed how it looks a little. It's like all you're doing is tweaking the language and then doing the same shit and it never works. And yet with every single iteration of the Fed, we as the people get poorer and poorer. And one day we are going to wake up slaves, all of us on our own land. Okay, that is inevitable because with every one of these boom and bust cycles, okay, the corporations end up taking more and more, the banks end up owning more and more, and who really owns the banks? We don't own this money. This money is printed by a central banking cabal. They own the means of production. So at the end of the day, they will own the world. And if people, if people don't understand that, that's their fucking problem. But eventually, unfortunately for them, their great-grandkids are going to understand it. It's going to be shoved down their throats. Literally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So, look, I come, I'm not as, okay, so here's the thing about the Fed, right? And, I, you know, I'm on board, bro. I, I don't have any money. I, I do have money to pay for bullshit but like most of my savings and most of my my hodl is in bitcoin right and i think that if you if you don't do that you're not doing bitcoin right okay uh <laughs> i'm never gonna tell someone on the street to do that yeah. but like you know this is a this is a podcast i'm like dude if you're not doing that you're a fucking idiot i can tell you i can list a fucking list a hundred reasons as to why but the, the thing with the fed dude and it's kind of like a scam and this kind of started happening after world war ii um is that dude it's such a it's such a rigged game why because you know how we just printed 30 or three trillion dollars just some absurd amount yep um the united states didn't get richer what we i mean didn't get poorer what we did was outsource our debt to the rest of the world and the rest of the world said okay sure give it to me why because the they US want it. To, to two reasons, two reasons, two big reasons. First of all, it's the petrodollar. I'm gonna to explain to you what that is in a second. And the second reason is the US has this crazy, like, I don't think it's gonna last forever because it never does, uh, is the global reserve currency, right? So the global reserve currency is essentially the currency as to which every country transacts in. So if you're India and I wanna transact with China, I use dollars. That's crazy. If I'm uh, uh, Zimbabwe and I want to tra transact with Barbados, I use dollars, right? I don't use their currencies to transact. I use U.S. dollars. So what that does is it, even if our country, like we just keep printing and printing and printing and printing, dude, the value is stable because every other country is using it. They're using it for their own transactions and then to add the cherry on top we have this dirty deal with the saudis that we signed in the 19, 1976 i think um which basically essentially says that if i go buy oil from saudi arabia which has the cleanest oil it's it tastes the less refinement right um i have to pay in dollars i can only buy oil in dollars even if i'm Russia, I hate the United States, and I want to buy oil from Saudi Arabia, guess what? You're doing it in dollars, right? So it, 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 it's fucking crazy because it's a scam, right? Yeah. That we, we, we benefit from it. I mean, not us, but corporations in the United States benefit from it, from it 100%, but the rest of the world gets poorer, bro. Oh, because yeah. Because we're, we're outsourcing our debt. Like $3 trillion? That doesn't matter to, to, to the United States government. It matters to the rest of the world. The rest of the world just got poorer. It literally just got poorer because we printed three trillion instead of us feeling it. We're like, nope. And we just pass it out. We just pass it. Uh, dude, it's, it's, it's totally, it's totally rigged. I think that I'm totally with you where I think it's going to end in catastrophe. I don't know when that's going to be. It might be 50, it might be a hundred years. I don't think it's going to happen in the foreseeable future. Um, so agreed but but you know there, there there's always a silver lining and i think that the silver lining is that you have this like lifeboat in the sea and you have a lot of dope people there uh speaking truth and they're all like yo come join the party man yeah um 
and dude, and it's so much better out here, you know, and your money doesn't get devalued. It actually gains value. Look at that. Right. And you're actually rewarded for saving, not for spending. Um, so dude, it's so, you know, like, it's so cool. And that, that, that life road, that lifeboat is just getting bigger. It's now a ship, you know, now it's going to become a cruise ship in the next cycle. So it's just getting bigger and bigger over time. So it's pretty dope, man. It's pretty awesome. I totally agree. I, I completely agree. It's, uh, you know, we finally, we finally have a chance. I, I remember as a kid, I remember the first time I ever learned that a central bank prints the money. Um, that it isn't backed by anything. I always used to think as a, you know, when I was up until the age of 16, I was certain that money was backed by gold. Um, and of course my illusion was uh, destroyed. And then I was like, well, wait a second. I'm like, so what the hell do I do now? I'm like, if this is all crap and it's all fake and it's all worthless and nobody knows this, like, how do I, how do I opt out of this? And I just kind of had this helpless, you know, like you, it's like a learned helplessness. Well, the government prints the money. I got to play by the rules and I just kind of, but at least I know the truth, right? Well, it, it, you know, kind of in the back of your mind though, it's not enough to just know the truth. You, you want to be able to do something about it. And finally, you know, Bitcoin gives us that ability to do something about it. Absolutely. You know? it, 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 it disintermediates uh, the banks. And that's amazing, dude, because like, you don't need them like it is it's not like why why like like why are they fucking involved you know like why are they involved in a sin why do i have to send you why do i have to send you like you know it send you a hundred dollars right i would send it to you in fiat because that's fucking dirt i wouldn't send you to bitcoin because i want to keep all that but um like if i let's say you know i, I want to send you let, okay let me give you a better example let's say you're in africa right and dude you know like if you want dollars you'd be like no man i'm in africa i need this african currency and i'm like okay sure i'm gonna send it to you bitcoin it's gonna cost me it, it let's say we were let's say you're like dude no rush i'm like okay sure i'm just gonna put you know the lowest fee possible pay two cents for you know a thousand dollar transaction ten thousand dollar transaction uh dude and if you would do that normally with the traditional banking system bro cost you an arm and a leg dude would it even make sense sending it to you you know like ugh. so so here talking about this okay um so i i have you know i have i have accounts i have accounts in canada i'm originally a canadian and that's where i started my you know i mean that's where i grew up and that's where i started my professional life and so what i what i ended up having to do when i moved out to the states was i still had some obligations back in canada okay and the cheapest way for me to do it that i found was through paypal well, because all I had to do was, you know, because I have a like I have a, a U.S. U.S. checking account tied to PayPal and a Canadian checking account tied to PayPal. So all you do is simply just, you know, you you move the money from your U.S. checking account into your PayPal balance and then you, you know, you take it out into your Canadian. Very simple. But PayPal doesn't really end up getting that much of a fee. Anyways, I did this for close to um, six years and then all of a sudden... PayPal started flagging my account. Okay. Every, I, I would, every single time I've tried to do these transactions, they would say something went wrong, call customer service. I would call them up, tell them what's happening. We see that there's a block on your account. Yes. Can you tell me why? No, sir. We don't and know. then they would, and then they would, uh, actually, this is what's interesting about this story is. So the last time I said to him, yeah. I said, I do, I, you could see from my record that I have been doing this for years. Why are you blocking me? Why is this happening? And he and the guy said to me, he goes, um, it's an internal code and I can't discuss it with you any further. And it just went silent. Like, that's fucking sketch, dude. That That's my money and you're stopping mm -hmm. me. So after that, I had to then go and do it through the banks. And now I end up paying, uh, you know, like, uh, what is it? It's like $40 every single time to transfer my own money to my own account. It's absurd. It's absurd, man. Why? And then and then when you're doing the transferring, it takes a couple of days. You don't know where it is. Like it's just bro, it's crazy. It's just gone. It's just it's gone from your bank account. It's not in your other bank account. Where is it? You know, no one knows. Like dude, it's it's fucking crazy, man. It is. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. 
I don't I don't think that's gonna dude. And what's awesome about Bitcoin is that that shit's gonna change. Oh, it yeah. doesn't have they don't have a choice, bro. They don't have a choice. Um, so it's like that shit's gonna change. They're gonna have to come up with some system which they can build, man, but they've never had an incentive to do that. They, uh they will. Take bro, I think I think Bank of America alone or like Wells Fargo makes like 10 billion a year and they can't fucking invest that money into figuring out how to make a better paint. No, they, there's no they incentive. There's no yeah. incentive. So dumb, bro. It's You're so absolutely stupid. right. Nico, so man, stupid. this, uh, our chat just flew by. I know. You know, that was a lot of fun, bro. Thanks for having crazy. me. On. So do you have before, uh, before we stop it, uh, do you have any, uh, any final words for the, uh, for the listeners? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Buy Bitcoin. Rogerverse sucks. True. And buy some more Bitcoin. That's all. <laughs> cool. Very, very cool, man. I agree. Rogerver does suck. <laughs> um, thank you very much for uh, coming on my pod, and uh, I look forward to for us uh, doing this again, man. Thanks for thanks for having me on, bro. I really appreciate it. Cool. Take it easy. I hope everybody enjoyed my discussion with Nico, aka Bitvolt Seven. Um, contact to uh, his Twitter contact, sorry, will be in the show notes as well, a link to his website. And of course, if you want to reach me by Twitter or Telegram, I'm at CoinIcarus. If you want to shoot me an email, I am CoinIcarus at funwithbitcoin.com. So stay curious, keep learning, be critical, catch you all on the next episode.